If you're interested in sponsoring an episode of Scripture First, please send our co-director, Sarah Stenson, an email or visit us at lutherhouseofstudy.org. You can find Sarah's email in the show notes. Also, we would like to say a special thank you to Tom Simmons and the Lutheran Leadership Foundation for sponsoring this week's episode. So Jesus is now turning the tables on these disciples by saying, uh, well, boys, you want to be uh, great in earthly terms? That's not the way it works when it comes to my kingdom. Whoever wishes to be first actually has to be a slave of all. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. Both of Luther House of Studies co-directors, Sarah Stenson and Dr. Chris Krogan, are back to talk about the disciples majorly misunderstanding what Jesus was saying to them. Jesus foretells his impending death and resurrection, and the disciples respond by asking him to give them political power. Sarah and Dr. Krogan explained to Adam Curie and I that Jesus tells his disciples that worldly power is not his to give. It's God who elects who is going to receive his promise. And in that election comes the promise of freedom, the freedom of a Christian, the promise to freely serve your neighbor. Let's get to this week's conversation. Here's Mark chapter 10, verses 35 through 45. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, We are able. Then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to, to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers, lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave to all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. And now on to this week's conversation. Welcome back to Scripture First. We have both of our co-directors this week, Dr. Chris Krogan and Sarah Stenson. Thank you both for being here. Thank you. Thank you. 
So we are continuing on in our uh, Gospel of Mark, and we're in Mark 10, uh, the 35th chapter, and just uh, for... Uh, 10th chapter. The 45th, the 10th, the 10th chapter, chapter, the 45th, <laughs> 35th through 45th, uh, extra chapter. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Adam just decided to, you know, do a little apocryphal. Right? <laughs> exactly. He uh, opened the cannon. It's not a cannon. He's a we got, tired. We got the, new, the, the, the new edition of Mark uh, for the first time. It's a really needed book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but we're in the, okay, so we're in the 10th chapter, the 35th verse. Can we get some context uh, just to begin? Yes. The verses immediately before this text, which are omitted in the uh, lectionary from last week's text to this week, they skip a little chunk of text. And that is actually an important piece of text because in it, Jesus is foretelling again his death and resurrection. And that is getting very close because they are on the road to Jerusalem now. So James and John had just heard that foretelling of of the crucifixion and resurrection. And the response to that is saying, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. What a bold thing to say. I think Jesus is really patient here. Did they actually listening or do they have ADHD or what's going on here? (laughs) I think he's really patient here, especially in context of like what we just read in previous weeks Mm -hmm. where he's like, ah, 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 and here he's, He's like, what is it you want me to do for you? So it seems like he's going along with it until he obviously flips it on them, right? Yep. But it's clear they they they, they still haven't understood because they call him teacher, which is rabbi. And rabbis um, point to things or they describe things or they um, give you information. Whereas the son of God, who has been going out and saying epitha, and it's open. Mm-hmm. Tell us a coom, little girl, get up, and it happens. And he says, and it happens. So, again, this is what's so fascinating about Mark is these disciples have been walking along, watching this, even at times kind of stumbling into, oh, yeah, Jesus, you're right. And then all of a sudden they go, yeah, maybe not. Teacher, instead of doer of the word. And do what we want you to do. Yeah. That's a little... um Two on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> Got a little chutzpah. <laughs> so as, as Carrie said, though, um, he's patient or he's, he's conti- uh, you could say patient, but you could just say he's being coy, maybe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, potentially. Uh, I actually read it as not patience, but actually, oh, do tell. Yeah, <laughs> What is sure. it you want me to do for you? Yeah. Like, here, kitty, kitty. That's kind of how I was reading it. And so, again, demonstrating their lack of retention of what they've been witnessing, um, they say to him, grant us to sit one at your right hand, one at your left in your glory. So Chris, you want to unpack Yeah, so that? this is this is a political move kind of um, that you would be doing. And the right hand and the left to be like being the, the vice president and the secretary of state or something like that. You know, positions of power when a king comes. In an earthly sense. Yep. When a king comes, you have positions of power in, at the table. And so you sit at the right or the left. And so they are seeing Jesus as, oh, a glory in your current kingdom. That is to say, you're going to bring a messianic politically. Sure. So he has been announcing that he's about to be killed. 
And right. they now want to be on his right and left hand. And and that phrase, in your glory, mm-hmm. is important. Easy to skip over, but important. And it's as important today, by the way, as it was um, when we're reading this text from James and John saying, we want to sit one at your right, one at your left, in your glory. They clearly are still thinking of glory in a human sense. That's the the right and the left hand we just were talking about. But people to this day will still throw that expression around, Christians, well, to the glory of God. And they don't really, um, and maybe they've just never really thought about what that actually means. Because, Kiri, you're exactly right. Jesus had literally just said what is about to happen to him. There is nothing um, glory-filled about that gruesome death and resurrection in a human earthly sense. And there was nothing um, glorious in our human understanding in many of those Old Testament stories where you see this is to the glory of God, hardening Pharaoh's heart to the glory of God, all of these things. So we throw that expression around a lot as Christians without really thinking about, just as we'll hear on this flip on what it means to be a Lord and a servant and all this coming up. Same thing with the sense of glory. God's glory and our sense of glory are not the same thing. Just one comment. Uh, As we've read through Mark, at least for the last uh, five or six podcasts, uh, the disciples keep on making mistakes or they keep on not understanding (laughs) and they're still... Yeah, this is what it means to be a disciple in the Gospel of Mark. Yeah. Is you actually never get it. Yeah. Which does make selling a discipleship program in a congregation a little difficult. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're ever going to be a discipleship based on the Gospel of Mark, you're going to have Larry Moe and Curly right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so uh, Christ then says uh, to them, uh, you do not know what you're asking are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? Uh, the first question you would have from this is what is this cup that uh, Jesus is referring to? Yes. They don't. They just said we're able. Yep. And so <laughs> sure. but the, what, yep. He's, what Jesus is doing is he's doing the image of, uh, of the prophets and that emptying a cup, the prophets meant you were going to endure a lot of suffering. And so if you... Uh, it's kind of a saying, if you drink the cup, you're going to suffer. You know, that's what the prophets are, are describing. And, and so Jesus is laying, are you able to suffer what I'm going to suffer? Um, and then, sorry, the bat. So the drinking of the cup is the suffering. And then he follows it up with, or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. Is that the other side of the spectrum? Yeah, so remember what Jesus was baptized? And when he was baptized, he was baptized into sin. And so that is what is happening there, is that baptism into sin. You remember, and that's, are you able to take on the sin of the world? Are you able to own the accusation of sinner? Because remember, way back when Jesus is baptized by John, he's baptized for the forgiveness of sin. Mm-hmm. So he, it's, it, it is a baptism unto his death. Because remember, the consequence of sin is what? Death. death. Are you able to be baptized with what I'm about to be baptized with? Death. Mm-hmm. But they really aren't tracking that 
yet because they do quickly say, we're able, like, sure, sign us up. I feel like a lot of Christians aren't tracking with that because they they know the next step. They think that, oh, the Lord's Supper, uh, I know baptism. They they don't connect it to what you just described, Dr. Krogan. Exactly. Exactly. But, and that's the... That's why it's really important, the drinking the cup. And when Jesus says, the cup that I drink, you will drink. The baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. Because he's telling them, no, you're not able yet. He hasn't completed his ministry yet. But they will suffer. That's what Jesus is telling them. Oh, yeah, actually, you will suffer. You will drink this cup. And that's the same for us today, that being baptized, being given faith in Christ actually does mean you will suffer. You will be attacked by the devil, tempted into doubt. That is the promise we receive in our baptism. And that's what the Apostle Paul was saying in Romans 6, that we will be baptized into a death with Jesus so that we'll be resurrected into new life with Jesus. That's the same the same exact thing the Apostle Paul is picking up in Romans 6 is what we're starting to see here with Jesus. So then Jesus goes on and says, But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those to whom it has been prepared. This is actually now God's doing. And this is a very interesting part that Jesus lays out here. And it goes back to things that we've talked about in the past is how much are you in control of getting God's kingdom? or being um, given a promise, or actually, in this one, sitting at the right hand or left hand. It's not. It's God's doing. Now, this is, has really interesting um, echoes. What we call this is election. And what Jesus is saying is from the very beginning, it was about who got to receive a promise. And that the person that gets to receive the promise receives righteousness in faith. And so Abraham received a promise from God, and it was God's deciding to give it to the sinner. And the promise he received from Abraham received was, out of your seed, out of your progeny is going to come the Christ, and some people are going to believe it, and some people aren't. It's going to be a blessing to all Goyim, which is even some of the Gentiles or the Jews. Mm -hmm. And so this is what's really offensive now, is it's a matter of God opening ears to believe, not a matter of me deciding at this point in time. Because if people don't believe I am the Christ, it's the Father's doing, not mine. So they all uh, hear this. It wasn't just James and John uh, who hears uh, this uh, from Christ. And verse 41 uh, says they hear this and they begin to be uh, angry with James and John. And so one uh, naturally questions, why, why are they angry Specifically with James and John, why are, is that? Why is that the place where they're directing their anger? I think it's kind of funny. Why? Because I feel like that's how my siblings were at me when I messed up as like a kid growing <laughs> up. You know, like I was the one who did something really stupid, and they're like, "Oh, great! Now they're going to lecture all of us, and they're going to include all of us in this together." Even though you're the one who just messed up and picked the neighbor's flowers, and it wasn't us. <laughs> it could be that Jesus is scolding in the, or, or was scolding them or telling them a lesson, and then they uh, were like, oh, no, all of us. But actually, I think what I read is the 10 heard this, and they became angry with James and John because they had tried to gr- do a power grab. Sure. 
That's what I hear. And, and it shows you how even those 10 didn't get it. Mm-hmm. That it, it, they, they had ADHD as well. They, they just didn't, Jesus is laying it out there for them. You're going to suffer and all this kind of stuff. They, don't, they aren't listening. They don't get it. James and John didn't get it, and neither did the rest of the 10. So all of them are now implicated in. In the uh, same problem yep. of thinking in terms of earthly power and glory. Yeah, I think that's probably right, too. That's the way I read that sentence. And it's especially, I think, um, probably the accurate way to read it when you read how Jesus responds, that Jesus called them and said to them, um, you know, that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers, Lord over them, their great ones are tyrants, but it is not so among you. Of course, he was just dealing with all 12 of them, that, yeah, that actually was so among them. (laughs) But now he's saying, not so among you. Whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. So that's why I think that probably is an accurate reading that the 10 now are angry with James and John because they're doing the same thing. They're angry because James and John tried to grab the power that the rest of them wanted too. So Jesus is now turning the tables on these disciples by saying, uh, well, boys, you want to be uh, great in earthly terms? That's not the way it works when it comes to my kingdom. Whoever wishes to be first actually has to be a slave of all, slave of all. You have to, whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. So a complete 180 degree opposite way of thinking about what it means to be great and what it means to be first. This is not, again, the typical earthly way we think of these things. So us being elected as gods, what does it mean that we are now slaves to all? Do you mean God's apposterphe? Yeah, God's possession. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> not that we there, are. Or that or we're not God's. No. A different problem. An Be, being elected by God's promise. Yes. What oh. does it mean to be a slave now? Right. So the beautiful thing about a promise from God is you no longer have to self-preserve. That is to say, when God says, I give you daily bread, and he does not lie, and he gives you daily bread, you don't have to go out searching for daily bread or chasing after your mammon. When God says, I'm going to raise you from the death, from dead, you don't have to worry about the day that you die. When God says, I'm going to forgive you your sin, you don't have to play the ethics card anymore and claim your own righteousness in all of your decisions or your dealings with man or the earth. And so now, when you're no longer in the self-preservation mode and no longer thinking, how am I going to make it? Or how am I going to be right on this answer? Or can I survive this? You actually get a chance to now open up freely and not be looking at self-preservation, but actually serving. So you become a servant or slave to those who actually need you as opposed to a slave to your own self-preservation. So you get, you get the freedom to become a slave. Exactly. This is actually, Luther wrote in 1520, one of the three treatises, uh, people call them, was freedom of a Christian. And that is literally the thesis in that document. Christian is perfectly free, Lord over all and perfectly dutiful slave or servant to all. This Luther, of course, gets this from texts like this, and he lays out exactly what Chris just laid out. You pour your life out for the neighbor, knowing it does not impact 
your relationship with God or your standing with God. That comes only through election. And so what's beautiful about the next verse then in 45, for the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve. Um, what Jesus is saying there is I didn't come to be worshipped by you, but actually to give you. And when you give, when, when God, when Jesus gives to you, you actually will end up, believe it or not, worshiping. And mm-hmm. here's how it's going to sound. You're going to say, thank you. Mm-hmm. So that's actually the worship that God is expecting and will get from you when he gives everything to you, including his son. So the son of man did not come to be um, served. That is to say, you sit there and bow down at his feet and give, but to actually deliver what God um, has to give. Which is his mercy. And on that note, we've reached the end of this week's episode, my friends. Thank you to Sarah Stenson and Dr. Chris Krogan for teaching us that God didn't create you to be worshipped by you. He created you to give to you. And when he gives to you, your worship will sound like this. Thank you. This includes God giving us his son, Jesus. He didn't come to be served by us. He came to deliver what God intended to give us, his mercy. We want to thank the sponsors who make this podcast and all the other ministries at Luther House of Study possible. If you or your congregation is interested in sponsoring an episode of Scripture First, please send our co-director, Sarah Stenson, an email at sstenson at augie.edu. That's s-s-t-e-n-s-o-n at a-u-g-i-e dot e-d-u. You can find her email in the show notes or find more information about supporting Luther House of Study at lutherhouseofstudy.org. If you have a question about something you heard in this week's episode, we'd love it if you'd send us a message or comment on one of our posts on Facebook. You can find our page at Luther House of Study, and we respond to every comment and message as quickly as we can. And also be helpful if you leave a rating and comment of Scripture First on Apple Podcasts. Doing so helps others find the podcast when they're searching for shows just like it. Thanks again for joining us this week. Thank you, God, for giving us your son. We'll see you next time on Scripture First. Scripture First.